Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Very good morning to all of you. I'm so glad to be standing here because last Sunday I was preaching at another church camp and uh, into the day two, I almost lost my voice with three more messages to go um, because I was nursing a cough almost for the last one month. And to be able to speak just like that and to be able to sing is uh, such a joy. And uh, so, so thank God for his preservation. Um, another thing was uh, I was visiting a family yesterday and I reached out my hand to touch the little dog and, and the little guy bit my little finger. Oh, thank you, my finger is still here, yeah. <laughs> so nothing prevents me from coming to share God's Word this uh, morning. I'm so uh, grateful. Uh, today is the annual Step Up uh, Sunday and I'll be preaching from uh, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And we have entitled this as a part two of uh, last Sunday, uh, Daniel 6, on serving the king. This is serving the king part two. So here we go. Isn't it true that every one of us love a genuine praise and commendation from someone else? Uh, it could be from our bosses, uh, your colleagues, or even our clients who say to us, well done, uh, John, thanks for leading this project. Way to go. Or someone said, Mary, that was an outstanding piece of work. You know, go, go for it. And then uh, so proud of you. You know, each time we hear such kind of praise and commendation, I, I trust that we are, we are naturally uh, inspired and also motivated. And we yearn for more. There, there's a right place for uh, affirmation so that we can grow in those areas. But I often wonder whether God's people long for God's praise and commendation the way we yearn it from our fellow human being. Our passage today, the parable of the talents, tells us there will come a day where there will be such a moment. Matthew 25 verse 14 to 30 is part of four other parables in the Olivet Discourse that starts from Matthew chapter 24. And the context is on the signs of the return of King Jesus and how we as his people can best prepare ourselves. So the key themes of this Olivet parables like the wise and the evil servants, um, the ten virgins, remember? The, the, they had the oil lamp and then five ran out. Or the parable of the sheep and the goats, and it all emphasized on the importance of watchfulness, readiness, preparedness, because we don't know when Jesus will come back again. Now, our passage today likewise emphasized on some of these themes as well. But in particular, it emphasized on this very important point. And that is while we wait eagerly for the return of Jesus, we must work faithfully until he returns. Because our earnest desire on that day is that we might hear King Jesus saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant. So would you bow with me in a word of prayer so that we can ask the Holy Spirit to direct our hearts. Let's pray together. 
Heavenly Father, we see your son Jesus giving up his heavenly privileges above so that he can come serve us here. Though he was rich, he became poor on our behalf. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a sacrifice for us. So we thank you, Lord, with all our hearts. We also thank you this day for many seated here who are growing and serving you faithfully. And we ask of you, Lord, to further activate and encourage all covenanters to grow and serve you likewise. That in this annual Step Up Sunday, every one of us might grow and serve more and more like Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The question I want to explore with you this morning is this. What will it take for us to become the good and faithful servant for King Jesus? And there are two mindsets I want to share with you that we have to develop. The first, focus on what we have. The second is to focus on who we are serving. So allow me to zoom in on the first point, which is to focus on what we have. I'd like to read from Matthew 25, verse 14 to 15, and that is in the ESV Bible. The scripture reads, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. In the days of Jesus, it was very common for wealthy master to leave for an unspecified period of time and they would then hand over the running of their businesses or their estate to their servants. Scholars cause us to note that these were not just household slaves or agricultural workers, but they are highly skilled business experts. Now, what is a talent? Again, scholars tell us a talent is a unit of exchange. They could be gold, silver, or copper coins, each with its own value based on its weight. So in Jesus' time and context, we all know that a denarius, which is considered a low unit of currency and exchange, is worth a day's wage, usually for the common laborers. But a talent, which is considered a high unit of exchange, was worth 6,000 denarii. And therefore, D.A. Carson equates one talent to approximately $300,000. Another scholar says, well, based on the fluctuations and valuation of all these items, it could be worth 800000 in today's terms. In other words, you can simply conclude that one talent is worth an enormous amount of money. So in our text today, verse 14 tells us that the master entrusted to them, the scripture says, his property. And immediately we jump to our condominiums and our landed estates or HDB properties. But until you reach verse 18, you will realize that this property is money, refers to money. Now, here's something that I want to focus for this morning for our first point in verse 15. And it says, To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, 
and emphasize and underscore this to each according to his ability. Here was a wise master who knew each of his servants and he entrusted to them what he deems them capable of. Now think about this. If you give more weight and responsibility to a less abled person, you crushed him. However, if you give less weight and responsibility to a more able or capable person, then there's no challenge nor motivation for him. Now, in our application, a talent can mean so many things to us besides money. Our Heavenly Father knows each one of us and has gifted us natural abilities and gifts. Example, knowledge, strengths, advantages, opportunities, jobs, vocations, and even people, relationships, uh, moving from friends, spouse, or even children. At the same time, the New Testament also tells us our Heavenly Father gives to us spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament like teaching, administration, mercy, or even hospitality. Now, whether natural gifts or spiritual gifts, they're all supernatural to me. Why? Because it comes from God. And it's meant for the deployment for God's kingdom and His glory. But here comes a human problem. Our concept of success and accomplishment are often tied with certain natural or spiritual gifts. So for example, it's very natural for us somehow to see that a doctor or an engineer is somehow more highly esteemed than a pastor or a missionary. True or not? Don't bluff lah, true lah. <laughs> Sometimes just purely by the prestige or the amount of money that a doctor or an engineer earns more than a pastor or a missionary. Now at this point, it's modern for me to underscore. Someone told me in the TNG staff that there are some 30, 30, not 30, 30 young people in the course of the last one year who said to the staff, says that I want to serve God in the church. There's also another group that says, I want to serve God in the mission field. Now, you will know your true value when one of your child will come to you and says that, Dad, Mom, I want to serve in the church. I want to be a missionary. Ah, it's at that time you will know the true value. Oh, and parents, it could be one of your children. Really. Is that why you, what will you say to them? at that onset, will review what you deem to be valuable or not so valuable. Because at the root of this very often is defined by what we sense is, is successful. And therefore, the only way we can see this as believers is that we've got to deem what is successful in God's eyes and not in human eyes. But unfortunately, we often sway to worldly success. And unless we can settle this in our hearts, whether for yourself or for your children, it is only then we can appreciate and give thanks to God for the various gifts that He gives to our children, for the various gifts to give to all of us. But how many of us can be a doctor? How many of us can be an engineer? Right? It's just the way God distributes His gifts accordingly. It is only then that we can focus on what we have, not what we don't have. It's only then that we can live a life of contentment joy and peace rather than envy and jealousy of our friends and our neighbours. 
Brothers and sisters, how can we be that good and faithful servant for King Jesus on this side of eternity? The Scripture tells us first focus on what you have. Any application, we don't compare. Of course, I know it's such a huge temptation to do so because our God is wise, He's sovereign, and He gives to each according to His ability. So, my dear friends, well, today is our annual Step Up Sunday, and there are many opportunities as Daniel has already told us, many opportunities and many needs in the local church that you can serve in the various areas. So stay back for a little while. There are various booths, eight or nine booths downstairs. Go to the booth that you're interested and then find out a little bit more. All right, interact with some of those people who are serving in those ministries. But for this, I'm not just applying to church life or church ministry. I'm applying to the whole of life. And the question is how we all live our life so that we can become God's good and faithful servant. Because it's either we give thanks and we trust our good and sovereign God for what He gives individually to us, or often we can end up mourning and complaining what He has not given to us. Because if we cannot settle this in our hearts and our spirit, we cannot be God's good and faithful servant. We will always be grumpy dissatisfied, empty, and will never find our place in God's purpose and kingdom in this world. You've got a decision to make where you focus on what you have received from God today. You know, Pastor Ed has been our mentor for the longest time. And he used to just say that, you know, you three fellows, Pastor Tony, Pastor Chung Kai, and Pastor Kei Kyung, you three are the unholy trinity. You probably knew all our darkest secrets. You three are the unholy unity. But what is beautiful about this you three is that when you all stand together, I see a tapestry of each of your individual gifts and talents. So, for example, you say, Pastor Tony, you are such a gifted leader. You say to Pastor Chung Kai, wow, you are such a gifted teacher. And then it came to Pastor Kikyong, you're good for nothing, so I know. You, are, you, you have this gift in shepherding, right? And, and while we all have these primary gifts, of course, we, we, we excel in it, and each time we do it, we feel very energized. It doesn't mean that we don't grow in other aspects of ministry skills and competence, because my philosophy is very simple. When God knocks on your door and says, son, daughter, I want you to do this, you don't want to say to God, God, sorry, not at home, yeah. What we want to do as good servants of God is that God knocks on our door and you can say to God, God, actually I'm not very, very expert in this. You know, Pastor Chungkai will do a better job. Pastor Tony will do a better job. But because you knock on my door, yes, sir, I will do it to the best of my ability. That's servanthood. It's not about myself. It's not about impressing other people. It is simply doing because God says do lah. And then we rise up just to give the best of our strength and our ability. And I tell you, it is very, very real. As we journey, and I've been serving niches for so long, it's very easy to look at Pastor Tony and say, oh, how I wish I have every of his passion and energy. These guys never get tired. He only sleeps four hours and he can go on and on and on and on and on and on. 
I'm just saying that actually he sleeps more than four hours, I hope, yeah. Oh, you look at Pastor Chunkai and he said, wow, this guy always makes difficult things so simple. Look at his slide. It is so glamorous. How I wish I could teach like him. And, and as, it's very easy, in other words, to look across our neighbor's field and say that, wow, so, we really love to have that thing. And we get envious and sometimes we can't rejoice with that person when he does well in whatever he does. Because there is a spirit of comparison. And nowadays, uh, by the way, our younger preachers, uh, they are so outstanding. Why? Because they preach uh, without notes, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know how they remember everything in half an hour. I just can't. I still have my, all my scripted notes because I need to follow them very closely. You know? You know, some of them are so brilliant in their minds. They read faster, they think faster, they run circles around you. And some of them, their masters are quite big, uh. All I'm saying is that we all live knowing our individual gifting and we are rested in it. And we live to complete each other, not to compete with one another. It sounds like a marriage. But whether in the family, in the workplace, in the family, yes, it's all about recognizing what you do best. But we're willing to do any other things. And in the course of it, we complete what is lacking in the team. And along the way, as God brings more SPO members into our team, we become even more complete and become, so to speak, the dream team. So my friends, every one of us have our diverse gifts and contribution so that we can serve King Jesus to the best of our faithfulness in all our roles as responsibility. So my dear friends, to become the good and faithful servant of God for King Jesus, focus on what you have. Don't compare. Secondly, we must also focus on who we serve. And for that, I want to read from Matthew 25, 16 to 19. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So with the humongous responsibility right now given to these three servants, we take note immediately that the one with five talents, the scripture says, he went at once and put the money to work. How oh, we understand this? And I use that uh, translation. And what does it reflect? What well, reflect immediacy, initiative, and industry, hard work. And the profit doubled. Now, we are not sure whether the second and third servant did it with the same kind of haste and speed like the first. All we know is that the second servant with two talents put the money to work as well and the profit also doubled. Now here come the twist in the plot. Because in verse 18, but, notice the word but, the third servant did something different. He went to bury the master's money in the ground. Why? Well, one commentator said this, this was safer than the deposit systems of those times. 
Another one said that this was considered a valid practice for safeguarding valuables. Now, obviously right now, if you ask mm, if it's an acceptable way of keeping your money in the ground, why such a reaction in the story from the master? And this is where we want to not just have a snapshot of the three servants so far or what they did with the money given. Now you look at the response from the master. And this will be a long read from verse 20 to verse 30. Here it goes. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25, So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast their worthless servants into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A very sobering reading. Things look really great for these two servants, isn't it? They had the same praise from their master. It doesn't matter whether the first make more than the second because it is not a competition. It is a faithful and diligent working according to one's gifts and potential. And so the response is something we are all very familiar with. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But the response to the third servant was something most of us did not expect. Or would may have concluded, wow, so harsh. You wicked and slothful servant. Strong words. Strong words, don't you agree? And in our minds, we might be thinking, God, I think you're overreacting here. Wicked? He didn't run away with the money, did he? That would be wicked in my definition. He didn't squander the money over gambling, drinking, or women. That would be wicked. He didn't use the money to commit any crime. And he didn't lose the money for goodness sake. How should that be wicked? And only wicked, lazy. God, at least he spent some time to dig the ground. <laughs> Cut the man some slack. The scripture is recorded to review God's heart and of course to review our hearts. 
And this third servant was deemed as wicked and lazy. So my dear friends, we better find out why such a heavy language was used because it seems disproportionate to the action. So allow me to give you what in essence why I think he got this very heavy judgment language. It has to do with how the third servant perceived and saw the master and how it adversely impacted his decisions and action. For this is what he said in verse 24 and 25. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. What is he exactly saying? Allow me to unpack this for you. He says, I knew you to be a hard man. Not hard-working man, uh, hard man. And the original language tells us hard means strict, harsh, cruel, merciless. Now you know why it says that it's the way he perceived the master. Strict, harsh, cruel, merciless. He went on to say, you reap where you did not sow, you gather where you scattered no seed. And this is an agricultural metaphor that has the same meaning. And he was saying to his master, you know, master, you take the harvest from other people's field for your own. In other words, he was calling his master a vicious tyrant, a capitalist who takes for himself the harvest that others work so hard on. In other words, he takes what he wants without caring who gets hurt in the process. Well, we get a little bit more view of how he perceived the master. But all this to me thus far are self-defensive talks. Why? Just imagine three of you go see your bosses. The two ahead of you, are all their sales volume, all their profit, all doubled, you know. And then you got zero well, you better come up with some quick excuses or good reasons, right? What this is all about. So this is just all this, all this fluff and all this defensive talk right now. And he better say something. And verse 25 reveals what is in his heart. Because the scripture says, So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. In other words, because of how he viewed his master. He was terrified of him. He was terrified he would lose his money. Terrified he will not make any profit. Terrified that he's not as smart as the two other guys who have already doubled their profit and because of that he might fail. Terrified that he will be punished. Terrified he will look stupid in front of others. Terrified he will have to work so much harder to put the money to work. So here's the bottom line, why the third servant was regarded to be wicked and lazy because of how he saw the master. He became fearful. He was frozen from any intelligent or diligent actions that might fulfill the master's trust to grow the resources. Because of how he saw the master, he was afraid, afraid to fail. So he took the easiest route, just bury the money, 
keep it safe. He played it safe, if you like, to avoid a loss. But he was distinctly against the master's wishes. So D.A. Carson, the New Testament professor, said this so well. He chose safety over service. Do you know in Hokkien what we call this? Kiasu, kiasi, lo. Or how Warren Worsby, the Bible teachers, concluded, he did not purposely do evil, but by doing nothing, he was committing sin and robbing the Lord of service and increase. Allow me to apply this, brothers and sisters. In order to be the good and faithful servant for King Jesus, we must have an accurate view of our God. And the way I phrase it is, Focus on who you serve. Now, it is true that while we may not view God in the way this third servant views God, yet the modern Christian's view of God can be pretty warped sometimes and it can adversely also impact the way we serve Him. For example, we say to ourselves sometimes in the way we, we view God, oh, if we do not serve God, huh, He will not bless you. Lah. So what do you do? You see God as a tyrant, no? And then you serve out of fear and obligation rather than out of love and joy like Jesus did. So we end up play safe, do the minimum, just do what is enough and yeah, take it easy, fulfill what is minimum requirement. That can be our tendency because of the way we view God. Another way to say this is that only if we serve God, then He will bless us and prosper us. And then how do we view God in this case right now? The fortune cat. <laughs> uh, the fortune or lucky cat. And then we serve out of this fear of missing out of his favour and blessing. And then what difference does he make from us, from a worshipper who gives their time and their resources so that they can expect some kind of reward and sometimes even manipulating God to bless us in return. You see, we have the same root problem as the third servant. How we perceive God, how we view God will adversely impact the way we serve Him. And as a result, sometimes we can end up serving God with minimal efforts, play safe mentality, or we can often demand and expect God to compensate us according to how much we have served Him. And then by then, we have missed God's express will for us to just be faithful and diligent stewards of the gifts and resources He has entrusted to us. Brothers and sisters, if we truly want to serve God, then we must be willing to take some risks, go out on a limb. Otherwise, you're only depending on your own wisdom and wit. But if you have to depend on God because He has called you to do these things, you will really know the true meaning of willingness to do what God has called you. And then you learn how to depend on Him fully because it's not about you, it's about God. And then we will not succumb to our fears and our false beliefs about God and we end up bearing what He has given to us. And I found it very true amongst us in church because very often when we are asked to do something, especially leadership positions, most of us will say, no la, no la, I just be a follower. 
No la, no la, I don't complicate my life. No la, no la. There's all, all kinds of reasons. Friends, the reason why you are asked to be a leader is because your leadership sees potential in you la. And therefore, in those moments, yes, it will complicate your life. Yes, you will require more hard work because leadership is never convenient. But when you rise to what God has called you to do, you begin to depend on Him for what you will never realize, the potential that you have. Don't bury what God has given to you. In this picture next, you will see that um, some of us will remember Reverend Glenn Whitmore. He's right in the middle. I, I wish there are other pictures to show you. But for some of you who do not know him, he was our first missionary pastor way back in 1978, sent from the American Free Church. I was not even there then. As you can see, some of our founding elders, Elder Huami, Elder Lansing, Elder Lawrence, they were all there. Reverend Glenn Whitmore is age 77 years old. And this week he was in town and we caught up with him because it's been a, such a long time since uh, any one of us have met him. Here comes his story. One and a half years ago, one and a half years ago, he suffered from a fracture of three vertebrae in his spine. How did it happen? Well, he was not involved in any major accident or he didn't fall. All he did was hatch you. <laughs> Scary, I tell your neighbor, be careful when you hurt you, yeah. <laughs> As a result, he lost four inches. Hey, four inches is a lot, eh? <laughs> He's a tall guy. He lost four inches. That's scary. What is even more scary as a result of that he was totally immobilized. He can't walk. He can't move. When he's on his bed, he can't move a single bit. Everything has to be done for him. He can't even brush his teeth. You see, he can't even lift a plate. Either on his bed or on his wheelchair. And he said to us, wow, now I have a true understanding and meaning of endurance as well as dependence. Because everything now I've got to depend on somebody. But by God's grace, from help from his family, his wife especially, help from the physiotherapist, we saw him passing by Singapore this week. And he says it was tough work. Just to walk a few meters to the toilet, take your aeons. And he has to then start to walk hundreds of meters. By today, we are so thankful he can walk some seven to eight kilometers. Oh, praise God. Yes, praise God. Now, here comes the clincher in the story. So, early this year, Elder Lin saying, Gave him a call, say, hey, Reverend Glenn, I want you to come with me to Hanoi and we'll go there and train some church planters. And guess what? He said, yes. At that time, Elder Lansing did not know this guy can't even walk, can't even move as he desired. He can't, but he said, yes. And then he started to work very hard. And one of the things that he had to convince his family is to let him go because his family said to me, cannot lah, cannot lah. You, 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 you cannot go. You want to go? Can. Can you, can you show us you can lift up a 25 pounds luggage? The sons are a bit more cruel. He said, no. can you lift up a 50 pounds luggage, two luggage right now? And they even put up various tests for him right now. You, you, you fly. You try to fly a very short route from Vancouver, fly to Victoria, 25 minutes flight only. Right, but what he do is 
roll his luggage, take the vehicle, check in, you know, go there, stay one night. And if you come back and you survive, we will let you go. He did all this. He did all this and finally convinced the family to let him come alone. Now, what do you think of this man? I think he's crazy. Yeah. I think he's crazy. I also think he's so faithful, so willing to risk it all. I mean, any one of you are in this shoe, I don't think we'd be making that trip. But at 77 years old, he was willing to venture out. And for that matter, our own elder, at 75 years old right now, still on fire, trained missionary, trained church planter in Hanoi. I mean, at 70s, cannot. they can just retire, have coffee, play golf, you know, look after their grandchildren. But no, life is not over. Because they know there's a steward, there's a gift and resource that God has given to them, and they want to be faithful stewards. That kind of ministry, that kind of mindset, that kind of willingness and faithfulness inspires us. And we can say, what a good and faithful servant of God. And may all of us as covenanters follow after the good steps of our first missionary church planter, of our founding elders who have faithfully served us up to this day and still going strong. And for that, may that be our heritage, spiritual heritage in covenant EFC. Let me conclude the sermon. So what will it take for us to be the good and faithful servant? Well, focus on what you have. Don't compare. Next, you focus on who we are serving. Don't be afraid. In doing so, we'll be able to please God and discharge the duties, the gifts, and the resources that God has given us and do so faithfully and diligently. This is how we can prepare for the return of Jesus because he will eventually come back to settle accounts with us. And every one of us, whether you have five talents, two talents, or one talent, we will be called to account for how we live our life and how we steward those gifts. If Jesus comes tonight, will we be able to give a proper account? And this question is not meant to stir fears in our life. No, it is to stir up immediacy, industry, urgency, that we might love God with all our strength. Brothers and sisters, we all know that the amazing, unconditional love and grace of God to us who believe. In other words, we do not earn our way to heaven. We do not earn God's love. No, that's totally unconditional of how God loves us and has prepared a place for us in the eternal kingdom. But we must also bear in mind that grace never condones irresponsibility or complacency because even those given less are required to use and develop what they have. So my friends, until Jesus comes again, all of us have been assigned to stations and ministries according to the abilities and gifts that God has given to us. And please remember this, according to this parable, we are not just expected to use our gifts, we are expected to multiply our gifts. 
We do not want to be that worthless servant described towards the end of the passage because what he says is that the, the person missed the presence, the power, and the provisions of God because he refused to engage what God has given him. We want to hear King Jesus say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Ask the musicians to come up and while you are seated there right now, this is a very old song. Um, not everybody knows it, but I like the musicians to just sing it stencil one as well as the chorus. And, um, and then we will, we, will, we will join them in the stencil again. Allow the words to minister to you as you pause and reflect what God has said this morning. Sing the first stanza together now. I want to be your servant, Lord, to serve you each and every day. I want to give my best to Oh uh-huh. 
Отца. continues to play brothers and sisters as you pause before God I believe God wants us to be faithful stewards now that it could mean that keep doing what you're doing my child cheering you on well done on the other hand it could be God saying to you come take one step forward today whatever I'm placing upon your heart Take that one step forward. I'm cheering you on. Well done. Go for it. Take some risks. Depend on me. And whatever it is, God calls us to be the faithful and diligent steward. And we serve Him not because of what He gives to us, because He has already given His precious Son and for the rest of our life, whether we are 20s, 30s, 50s, 70s, we serve Him till He returns. As God, as Lord lends us breath and strength, we want to serve Him. And pray this is what God, whatever He's saying to you, receive it this morning. I also felt like that Someday, as I said, some of your children will come say to you, Dad, Mom, I believe God has called me to be serve God in the church or in the missionary work. What will you say to your children? Will you rejoice and say that, Wow, so proud of you. We'll pray for you. We'll journey with you. It's a worthwhile calling like any other calling. What will you say to your children? Will you surrender your children to the mission field and the work of the church? May God prepare your heart for some of us for that day. But whatever we say to God, make my life a living sacrifice. The way you want me to be. So let's sing it again, the chorus, as we dedicate our lives as a whole congregation to the Lord Jesus this day. 
spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.